not that I wake up happy every day. It's not that something happens and all of a sudden, oh, I'm happy. It's that I have crafted a specific set of behaviors making intentional changes. I don't know if you're gonna see this voice from me. I thought I was happy. Are, are you happy? I'm not happy at all. The question is, are you happy? I'm the happiest I've ever been happy? right now. P.S. Be the person who you'd want to meet because somebody needs you. Welcome to Are You Happy? The Happy Hour. And welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Are You Happy Podcast. Today, we are joined by Jason Harwood, author of Happily Ever Habits and also a podcaster. Well, we can't wait to meet him and learn all about his amazing journey. So without further ado, Jason, how are you today? I'm happy today, Vanessa. It's Kicking off good. How are you? Ah, amazing. And you just stole my thunder. I was going to ask you. (laughs) I was going to ask you. Okay, first question. Are you happy? So tell me more about this awesome happiness. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because for a lot of people, you know, you look at people who are really fit and healthy. And I interview quite a few people on my podcast. What's fascinating is that the people that I interview that are really fit and healthy have oftentimes gone through a period of their life where they weren't that way. And so it's interesting for me because I'm a pretty happy person. I'm a pretty upbeat person. And sometimes I even meet people and I'll be with my wife and they'll say like, oh my gosh, is he this happy and excited all the time? (laughs) And my wife is like, no, no, not at all. Not even close. And so she even knows like, okay, If I'm sitting at a particular couch in our house and the lights are off, right? Like I get into these moments of difficulty and just wanting to sit on a comfortable couch with all the lights off and and kind of be in a little bit of maybe even a dark mental space. And so what I discovered for myself is, and but I'm not, just to be clear, I know there's clinical depression and then there are people like me who go through times of feeling depressed. Those two things are very, very different. And I have no ability or insight on the clinical side of, you know, where sometimes medication or counseling, some of those things are due. So that's not what I'm talking about. But for me, I went through so many of those days of just like, oh, I'm, I just don't want to do today. I don't want to go through today. I don't want to, I'd wake up and almost wake up unhappy. And finally mm-hmm. I was like, no, I'm in my forties. I got like 40 plus more years of life, hopefully left. And I don't want to live that way anymore. And so I started making intentional changes. So for me, the interesting thing about the happiness is, is that it is an intentional choice of behaviors that bring the feeling. It's not that I wake up happy every day. It's not that I, you know, something happens and all of a sudden, oh, I'm happy. It's that I have crafted a specific set of behaviors, all of which are intentionally intended to help me kind of keep that darkness, keep the negativity at bay. Because when I don't, I know it comes and I feel it. And I think, man, I got to get back to my happiness behaviors because it makes a big difference. And so are all of these things that you do, are, are they what you wrote about in that book? I do touch on all of them in the book. Uh, yeah, thank you for mentioning it. Just published Happily Ever Habits. And I touch on things that I've done. And most importantly, I touch on a process for how to start and stick with habits because when I get into the kind of nitty gritty with people about, okay, here's something to do, here's something to do. And I always ask them, I say, have you ever heard of these things before? And universally, they're like, yes, I've heard this before. <laughs> I say, I know, me too. I knew all the things I was supposed to be doing to be happy. I just wasn't concerned 
consistent in them. And so then I started building processes and a system of becoming more consistent with it. And so it's how to start and stick those habits. But I'm happy to talk about specific ones because I do think there are some that seem to be consistent and have a a more outsized impact on our happiness. Now, before we go into like one or two of those, I'm curious because, I mean, we see people all the time talking about habits and consistently <laughs> sticking to habits. And that is so hard. If I'm going to be honest, that's freaking hard. I, I can't do it yet. But how, I mean, do you think that it's different for everyone to get to that point where they can actually stick to those habits? And then how? what was that road like for you? Was that difficult? Or how did that even get to where you were consistent? Yeah, one mindset shift that happened for me was a friend of mine telling me about this concept. And he said, you know, the fascinating thing is, is we oftentimes will say, man, I'm not very consistent, which when you look at your life behavior is sometimes not very true. What we're not good at is change. So when we say, man, I'm not very consistent, it's because we're not consistent at bringing something new in. But when I look at my life, I mean, I am incredibly consistent on a morning pattern. I'm incredibly consistent on roughly what we eat. My kids you complain all the time. I was like, we only eat three things for dinner, you know, because we just have the things that we eat. We're consistent where we eat out. We're consistent in how we drive to work, how we brush our teeth, how we do our hair. There are so many things in our lives that we are actually really remarkably consistent in. Where we run into problems is when we say, oh, I want to change something. Now I want to be consistent in this new thing. And your mind and sometimes your body says, mm, no, no, we're not, we're not, we're not changing. We're just going to keep doing the things we've always been doing. So that's where you have to be aware of the mental and sometimes emotional battle that you face with yourself in making change to get to a new consistent and how to navigate that in the most effective way possible. And that's what almost, I'll be honest, almost all the habit books talk about nearly the exact same thing. If you read Tiny Habits by B.J. Fogg, Power of Habits by Charles Duhigg, Atomic Habits by James Claire. And then, you know, well, I don't know what out there that's, you know, 0.1% of all of those ones in terms of popularity. But, you know, I come at it from a different standpoint because what I found was is that those books taught me a process for things like flossing, eating more vegetables, drinking water, you know, maybe exercising, watching less TV. And all of those things have a spillover effect into happiness. But I was doing a lot of those things and still waking up every morning going, oh my gosh, I just don't want to do today. And and I wasn't living the level of happiness that I wanted. And so I said, okay, I've got to take the lessons of those powerful books, but I've got to apply them specific to developing habits intentional around happiness, not just, you know, eating, eating three servings of vegetables a day, which is also good. I think I'm not good at that one, Vanessa. I, man, me and vegetables. It's a love hate relationship, huh? I know exactly the things I'd have to do in order to eat three servings of vegetables every single day. I just don't do them. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's something that you have to work toward. Yes. They slip them in there without you knowing. Right. So then you put them into the shakes and yeah. So then for you, what was like that first habit or that first consistently consistency that you mastered? The first one was actually a, a habit around my first thought of the day. So I noticed with myself that oftentimes I'd wake up and I'll never 
never forget the morning where it like clicked in my brain, like, oh my gosh, I got to do something different. But I had done it many times, but this day, all of a sudden I was like, nope, that's it. But I wake up, I flip my feet over, my feet hit the ground. And oftentimes the very first thought that went through my head was, oh my gosh, I do not want to do today. And that's not a great way to kick off any process towards happiness. And so what I started doing, the first habit was shifting that very first thought every morning. And so the first, I became intentional around the first thought every morning. And so now I flip my feet over the edge of the bed, my feet hit the carpet. And I think, what am I most excited about today? And rather than looking at, I did this last night before I went to bed, I looked at my calendar and I thought, what am I doing tomorrow that I'm most excited about? And then I saw this appointment to record a podcast. I was like, oh, I'm really excited about because I love doing this. So rather than looking at my day and saying, oh, I got this meeting. Oh, I got to do that thing. Oh, I got to do this thing. It's what am I most excited about? I still got to do the other things. I just came from two meetings that I was less thrilled about. But my focus is what's the most exciting thing today? And so if people want to start and just say, okay, maybe they're feeling the same thing that I was feeling. The first thing that pops into your head every morning puts you on that path. And so, boom, first thing is what's the most what am I most excited about today make the habit and it's you know just as soon as your feet hit the floor that's my trigger Charles Duhigg talks about triggers to habit that's my trigger as soon as my feet hit the floor what am I most excited about today and so do you find that the words of others have like influenced how you perceive happiness and habits and it, it really is not just all from you but from like a very a varied amount of sources other books other speakers I hope so or I've wasted a whole ton of time reading <laughs> well I mean I mean, we gain a lot of insight off of other people and their experiences. So it makes sense. And we live in a society now where you can have pretty significant influence from people that you've never met with the power of podcasting, the power of video, social media. I mean, there are people I've literally never talked to them, but if I were to ever meet them, I know as much about them as I know about some of my friends I've had for 20 years because I follow them on social media. I listen to their podcasts. I've read their books and it feels like we could sit down and pick up a conversation as if we were old friends. They don't know a thing about me. So you can be, you can choose who you you want your mentors to be. And there's more opportunity to have powerful, positive mentors now than ever before, even if you never end up meeting them. John Maxwell tells the story when he was a new leadership development person and he was a person of faith. And so he was a preacher at the time, but he made this list of all the people he wanted to meet and, and they would base their vacations around him setting up meetings with some of these people all across the country. We don't have to do that anymore. If you want to meet someone, you, you can be heavily influenced by them for free. And that's, I think, one of the powers that we have now is we have much more opportunity to choose who our mentors are going to be. That's very true. And it seems like there are much more people that are gravitating toward giving messages and sharing their experiences with others. You see a lot of that on social media, people you've never even heard of and see perspectives that you never would have thought of because they're not published anywhere. What's one person that you've come across, whether it's on, on media or in a different resource where you've been inspired? inspired by them, but nobody knows who they are. Yeah, that's a great question. Suddenly I'm like going to my Instagram. What's that one series that you scroll and you're like, oh, this guy or oh, this, these people. Yeah. 
Are You Happy is one of them, but you know. <laughs> yes, yes. Comedy brings me joy. I was looking at, I think his name, oh, of course, all of a sudden I can't find him on, on TikTok, but I'll find him. Yeah, I'll find him. I'll come back. But there's a, there's a guy on TikTok, he's so funny, and he does these little interactions as though it's a father-son, and he plays both roles in the father-son interaction. Oh, I just found him. Jason Banks. And he does both roles as both the father and the son in the interaction on some of these. He's a comedian. Just because for me, when I find myself in a bad mental state, one of the things I've learned is when I find myself in a bad mental state, I sort of have two options. One, I literally have a playlist. I know this is bad, but I have a playlist on my Amazon Music called Classic Songs for Sad Times. And sometimes when I'm feeling a downward pull, I'll turn on that music the challenge is, is that music tends to continue me in that path. The other thing that I will often do is I'll go to someone like Jason Banks on TikTok and watch four or five of his TikTok videos. And suddenly the humor does it for me. Positive music really does it for me as well. If I'm feeling sometimes I just got to put in my earbuds and I also have a playlist of engaging, energetic, uplifting music. And man, as soon as that hits, it completely changes almost my physiology. I, I feel different. Maybe not what you were looking for, but. I just looked him up and I and I see exactly who you're talking about. I think it takes you out of yourself is what it does. It takes you out of, of whatever's going on. And same thing can be said about the sad music list. And you mentioned earlier, you know, sitting in a dark place. Well, sometimes you have to process and be in those feelings for a second. And then you can move out of them because you you have time to process or just be in them for a minute and allow yourself to feel it. And then you can work your way out and get out. Or you can listen to a playlist or watch a funny series that takes you completely out of it. Yeah, there's so many ways to think about that. But we, we all do that. We all have a way of figuring out how to press stop or pause and be in the moment and then and then move on from it. So it's something to think about on how we get out of it. Tools are used and you have a big toolbox. Yeah, I think there's more thought now around that idea. And I'm trying to figure it out for myself, honestly, kind of what's the what's the sweet spot there? Because a term that I hear a lot is toxic positivity and this concept that, you know, it's okay to be unhappy. It's okay to feel the wide range of human emotion and not always just try to constantly be positive. The question is, is okay for how long? At what point do you decide, okay, I've felt through that. Now it's time though to shift and make a change and move to a more positive mindset and kind of a positive mental place. And I think everybody has to kind of deal with that and maybe sort it for themselves. But yeah, I do spend some time just sitting sad in the dark on the couch. And then I got to decide, okay, what point am I going to decide? Yep, I've processed through that and now it's time to move forward. Yeah. And I think there's some strength to be found in realizing that you made the choice to get up and that you found that point when you're like, yeah, okay, I'm done with this now. <laughs> yep. So that's remarkable in itself that you made that decision or that you came to that conclusion, because then it tells you that anytime that that happens again, there's this little resource of energy that's going to, you know, rally you up and say, hey, Jason, it's time to get past this. I think there's there's a lot of inner strength there. I'm curious now about who you were before all of this, before the book, before all of your, you know, knowledge and everything that you read. So who were you before that? Yeah. So what's interesting for me is I've always been 
been a pretty positive, happy, energetic person. But what I found was that so much of my focus in my earlier years, starting about after high school, probably, there are so many immediate physical needs that take our attention, whether that's whatever training you're going through, college, vocational training, earning a living, learning a skill, you're wrapped up in that and you're wrapped up in developing what you hope will be lifelong relationships. And you're wrapped up in where am I going to live and the type of cars I'm going to drive and the type of house I'm going to have and all of these things. And that takes up so much of your mental energy where I found myself was probably late thirties. And strangely, I'd been through job loss. I'd been through divorce. I'd been through loss of family members. My dad passed away. You know, all of these, I've been through a lot of those things. Then I got to this point where it was some type of mental or emotional peak. And then coming down the other side where it was like, I got a nice house. I have nice cars. I got a good career, kids, all those things, you know, check, 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 check. And yet I still found myself in this position of waking up and thinking, why am I so unhappy? Why, when I thought all through my 20s and 30s, this is what I was grinding for. This is once I hit this point, if you had told 25 year old me that someday I'd make this much money, I'd have this type of house, I'd drive this type of car, I'd be like, oh, I bet when that happens, I'm going to be the happiest person ever. And then I wasn't, I was like, oh my word. But the challenge is, is for many, then we keep throwing ourselves into the next thing. And it's a nicer car and a boat now and maybe a bigger house. And there's a term for that. It's called the hedonic treadmill, where you're just throwing one more physical thing, one more physical thing, one more physical thing. And I guess I was lucky enough to identify that that treadmill doesn't get you anywhere. And so I started looking and saying, okay, yep, I've checked these boxes. I've been successful. I've, I've accomplished a lot of the things that I wanted to do in my life. And now the only battle is an internal one, the, the fight of character and the challenge of character. And how do I be, now become the person that I want to be when I don't have to spend as much time stressing over, are we going to make the house payment next month? I mean, you know, there, there's always tragedies that happen, but for the most part, yep, we're going to be fine. So now I have to figure out who am I going to be as a person and what is, what, what's the growth? Where's the opportunities to give back and lift others up that will make the difference in my own personal esteem, my own personal satisfaction, and then, of course, your happiness level. Mm -hmm. Do you think that if you had found who you were like before when you were trying to amass all of these things that you would just seek that, seek the happiness part of it and seek the helping others as opposed to seeking things and material possessions? Yeah, I mean, I suppose that yeah, if I had been mature enough, young enough to know like, hey, it's okay. None of these physical things are really going to satisfy your life's ambitions. Then I probably would have started focusing on things that would have greater significance. And I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I was almost always, I was a sole provider because my wife wanted to stay home with the kids. And so anytime it's tough because if you're the sole provider, anytime you have to tell someone, no, you know, Hey, can we get this thing? No, we can't afford it for a person who is the income for the family 
family, that takes an emotional toll. And I guess you just have to go through the emotional growth necessary to say the physical fulfillment doesn't define me or that type of thing. So I read in your bio that you were very big on meditation and also productivity hacks. Tell me about those. (laughs) Yeah. So you asked about the first habit and that was the first thought in the morning. The next two are gratitude statements and then meditation. Sometimes I struggle to meditate because I'll fall asleep or whatever. I'm not a long meditator, but I just found that 10 to 15 minutes of just quiet meditation. And there are so many resources out there. There's great apps. There's great videos on YouTube. I actually put out a daily email that gives a daily meditation. It's got meditation, movement, and mindset that you can get if that's helpful for you. But I just found that spending a few minutes every morning going through the practice of clearing my mind clearing my thoughts, centering my focus. Oftentimes, the first thing that we do is we we learn how to center our focus on breathing, box breaths, four counts in, hold for four, four counts out, pause for four, and just focusing on that process. As thoughts come in, you kind of let them come in and let them go out. That impacted me significantly in my future ability throughout the day to do the same thing, to really focus in, to not get distracted, to not become as bothered, by distractions, to be present with my wife, be present with my kids, be present in whether it's a meeting or whatever other act I was doing. And so those 10 to 15 minutes a day really started to impact my overall focus and my overall ability to stay present, avoid stress, avoid anxiety and some of those things. Again, not not the level of anxiety that might require some level of medical or an actual doctor telling you what to do, just my level of anxiety, which is stressing out about the day. So meditation has a big impact. Gratitude statements have a big impact. And then that also helps me and it puts me in the mental space of being able to clearly identify, okay, what are the most important things to do? Again, you'll hear it over and over again. I mean, there's no secret here, but if you want to, the fastest way to increase your productivity, it's most often write down the three most important things that you need to get done today and then start working on them. It's amazing how much more productive we are when we have the clarity of mind to say, okay, what are the three most important things? Okay, now I'm going to get started on it. And a lot of the habit ideas come into practice if it's, you know, gosh, I, I don't feel like it. I don't want to. The The first key to habits, the first key to getting started is just narrow it down to the smallest thing possible. So just start with something that you can do in two minutes or less. And, and that's an idea James Clare talks about quite a bit in Atomic Habits. But if you just don't feel like it, if you're not feeling the momentum, if you're not feeling the drive to do it, it's what can I do in less than two minutes? Because once you get started, oftentimes that action momentum will start carrying you to the next behavior you're in the next behavior. It's the necessary kind of push to get started on a two minute task. And then boom, you're off and running. Those are pretty awesome. In regards to your book, if someone was going to pick that up, but maybe they just didn't have the time to, what's like one little nugget that you want them to know about your book so they can make sure that they do pick it up? The first key is to start small. Oftentimes we try to 
base our behavior change on a sense of motivation. Like I really feel like it. And unfortunately, motivation is a feeling and it is inconsistent and unreliable. What we want to base our change behavior on is momentum. And so if you take any behavior, reading, my initial habit with reading is one page a day. If I can read one page a day, boom, I won that day. Gratitude. I just, it doesn't take me long, but I just, boom, sit down, jot down one to three things that I'm grateful for. It's small. I can get it done. Exercising. I'm in a pretty good spot right now on exercising consistently. Four months ago, I wasn't. And I said, okay, I got to go back to small. And I went and found a whole bunch of like seven to 10 minute exercise. Some of them are called AMRAP, as many reps as possible, as many reps as possible. AMRAP. I literally literally Google search 10 minute AMRAP because I knew there's no way I was going to go from zero to 30 minute workouts every day. This morning I did a 30 minute exercise bike workout. It was great. There's no way I was getting to 30 minutes. So I was, it was 10. So I never really wanted to, but I, okay, I can go ride the bike for 10 minutes. Okay. I can do this AMRAP workout for 10 minutes. Okay. I can do this 10 minute fitness blender workout. So whatever the behavior change that you want, make it as small as possible. Try to get it down to where you can do it in two minutes or less. This has a couple of effects. One, it changes your thinking about yourself. You now start seeing yourself as the type of person who works out, the type of person who reads, the type of person who flosses their teeth, the type of person who sends three kind text messages a day. Once you start to see yourself as that type of person, it does make the behavior easier easier and more consistent. And now you're building off of momentum. I did it yesterday. I did it the day before. I'm more likely to do it today. When we try to go big, it's usually stressful. And then I miss a day and I feel really terrible about myself. And I'm back to the mindset of why do you think you're, you, you could do this? You're, this isn't you. This isn't who you are. So start small. And that's key number one. There's three keys within the book, but key number one, make it smaller. I like that. I think that's very, very possible. So I, I like that very much. Something you said way in the beginning that I just really liked where you said introducing new habits and how that that is more of a struggle than, you know, staying consistent in your old habits is introducing those new ones because we are creatures of habit. So that is very interesting. Where can people find all of your your socials, your book? Tell them where they can find you before I give you our last ultimate question. The easiest is to go to the website, thejasonharwood.com, or I am on Instagram at thejasonharwood. The book is on Amazon, Happily Ever Habits. And yeah, there's some very kind reviews there. I've been just blessed by the impact that it's had. So you can go and check that out. Yeah, it's a pretty quick read. I was shooting for the shorter version of every other habit book I've read because every other habit book I've read is like, oh my gosh, 250 pages on habits. Are you kidding me? So I was, okay, let's let's make this a little quicker, a little easier, a little shorter. It's got some QR codes for some fun videos and tasks to do at the end of every chapter to get yourself into action. You're delightful. I'm just going to say that. You you make me laugh. You made me think of this book and everyone's going to think something strange about this, but I'm just going to say it anyway. So I remember a long time ago, I was reading a book about procrastination and I never finished it. Oh, probably it was too long. It was too long. But but yes, our last and my most favorite question is if you could share a message with the world, any message at all, what would that message be? I think it would be that we can decide to be intentional 
rational around the outcomes that we want. And that as soon as you decide, I want a happier life, you can become intentional and consistent around behaviors specifically intended for that happy life. Sean Aker says happiness is not a feeling, it's a work ethic. And so that's the key idea is that if you find yourself in a spot where you say, I'm not as happy, I don't feel as fulfilled, I don't feel like I'm becoming the person I want to be. Okay, you have the opportunity to be intentional around the specific behaviors that can change that. It's not hard. It doesn't take a significant amount of time. Small, consistent behaviors will get you there, but you got to start being intentional around whatever it is you want. That's an excellent message. Thank you so much. Side question for people that were struggling with their happiness, what would your advice be to them? It'd be for me, the things that made a difference were mindset, movement, and then building momentum. So I do a couple of things every day, every morning. It's the first thought. It's my gratitude journal. And then it's my meditation. And that helps me with my mindset. Then I get my body moving anywhere from seven, five to seven minutes to 30 minutes of just anything to get your body moving. Start the momentum. This morning was another great example. I had a bad, got to sleep later last night than I wanted to. A couple of interruptions in the night with a dog and my son coming home late and different things. And I did not want to wake up this morning, but I got up, I got on the bike and within just a minute or two of being on the bike, suddenly I was more positive about the day, more positive about what was coming. And so if you feel like, man, I'm not where I want to be, start with your mindset. There's some very basic, easy things you can do. Get your body moving a little bit and you'll start to feel the positive momentum in the right direction. But it is a gradual process. I refer to it as sunrises and sunsets, that my life was in sunset. And then I had to work my way towards a sunrise, but that doesn't happen in, in one day or in a second. It is a process. Thank you. Jason Harwood, podcaster and author of Happily Ever Habits. <laughs> You're delightful. Have the best day of your life. And thank you so much for being on our podcast. Hope you have the best week ever. Thanks, Vanessa. Really appreciate it. The Are You Happy Hour and Are You Happy Hotline are brought to you by Are You Happy Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media such as Instagram and subscribe via your favorite podcast platform. Are You Happy, the docuseries can also be found on social media such as Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. See you guys next time for another wonderful episode of Are You Happy, the Happy Hour.